just said about what you said about presence within the teams. It's very beautiful. It's, uh, you know, when I reflect on that, the number of times that I've actually been present with somebody in my life, I think that's that's probably enough fingers to count that. And you know, honestly, and uh, it's a pretty powerful thing. Something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. I wonder if um, you could say a little more about um, kind of uh, your experience with people who are beating themselves up. Like, no, I'm not going to allow you to be that way in front of them. And um, one of the things that I've struggled with is that uh, I feel like a, a lot of thoughts have, um, none of them are completely voluntary and none of them are completely involuntary, right? So even in meditation, I'll have um, uh, I'll have some kind of negative thought, some kind of you know bad opinion of me, right? That, that comes up and it's sometimes I'll kind of be able to see that arise, right? And sometimes it's it's just kind of there, sort of like, like the analogy I've used before is it feels like yeah, someone punched you without being able to see it. And yeah, so and and then there's ways that you adjust your practice. There's meta and those kinds of things, right? But um, you know, I, I wonder if uh, I, I, particularly in times in my life where I, I had very very little mindfulness, right, and was very depressed and very angry. How to sort of compassionately respond to that because it, it wouldn't, it, I don't think it necessarily would have been the case that I was you know, willfully treating myself that way. But I, I don't know if that makes I mean, all of us, you know, start where we're at and work with what's there. And, um, you know, many of us, you know, have quite significant stuff around anger. And, you know, if we look at it, you can see that there's reasons for that. You know, the stuff is not there, just circumstantially. It didn't arise spontaneously. There wasn't a spontaneous generation of this stuff, you know. And yet, what we know is, is, is that when we follow that, or when we believe it, or when we act on it, it, it makes it worse. It doesn't make it better. It doesn't bring peace. It doesn't bring resolution, and it doesn't feel good. It feels rotten. It might feel good initially to trash somebody, you know, to just release that and just to rip somebody to shreds. But three seconds down the road, it probably doesn't. You know, and sleeping that night probably doesn't. And sitting on the meditation cushion the next morning, it really doesn't. So for whatever reasons the anger is there, we kind of need to know that following that doesn't lead to the right thing, doesn't lead to where our hearts are inclining to go. And so what is needed is the skill to learn how to meet this stuff which is really strong. And part of that is learning how to change our frame of reference. Because when something makes us angry, it's a little bit like you know, a vice grip that grabs hold of the thoughts or the impressions or the sensations or the sights that activated our anger and we lock onto that and then just loop around what has made us anger, why we're so angry, why we have a right to feel so angry. Okay? But what's needed in meditation is to is to is to know that when we do that, 
it just always leads us to hell. That's the only thing that does. It takes us to hell. It's a straight shot to hell. Okay? And that what we need to learn how to do is shift our focus of attention from the thing that has activated the anger to something that actually feels calming or soothing or nourishing. And that could be our breath or our feet on the ground or looking up at the sky, you know, or lying in the snow. So we can change our frame of reference and bring our attention to something different. Or we can do it elementally so that you know that anger, the element of anger is fire, it's heat. All right? So if you get furious, take off your hat, your gloves, and your shoes and go lie in the snow. (laughs) See what will happen. So rather than it being any kind of a thinking thing, just change the elemental framework. If you've got too much heat in your system, chill it out. You know, likewise, you know, if you're feeling depressed, okay, you know, certainly there's all kinds of things you can do with that in terms of moving your attention. But you can also just focus on light. Either look at something which is light, imagine something that is light, okay? And so, you know, depression is a, is a, is a closing down of energy. You need to bring energy in. You need warmth. You need light, yeah? So we can develop skills to meet what's arising. But what's needed is the discernment to know that if we act on anger, if we speak from anger, that nothing good comes from that. And so precepts then helps to create a context where we have some frame of reference about what's okay, what's not okay. It's not okay to hurt people. It's not okay to steal things. It's not okay to be involved in sexual relationships that's harmful. You know, it's not okay to rip people up verbally, you know, or slander people. And then, you know, the whole thing around drugs and alcohol is not because there's any issue of morality, but when you put too much narcotics or alcohol in your system, you have no capacity to keep the other precepts. It dissolves the container to be able to discern clearly about what's right around anything. So precepts creates the kind of first boundary that helps give a kind of mirror about where we're around the edges around behavior. And restraint gives us the framework to look at the habit energies, which then tend to lead towards behavior. The ability to still and concentrate the mind then gives us the mechanism to replace our negative habits with something which is really deeply nourishing. And insight is what helps us see that no matter what's arising, it's not who we are. It doesn't have any permanent existing nature to it. It arises, it passes, it comes with conditions, it stays when the conditions are there, and when the conditions are no longer there, it goes. Insight allows us to be whatever is arising and not get blown away by it, because we know that it's not me. 
But we have to also have the discernment to know what level we're at. You know? So if you're just about to pick up a knife and stab somebody, you know, you just get the hell out of Dodge. You don't try and work if this is not me. You know? So we need to know where we're at and what we're actually up to. And, you know, depending on where we're at and what we're up to is going to depend on what is the right course of action. You know, if mindfulness is strong, I remember a time I was absolutely furious. I was going on a retreat, and the sister knew I was furious, and she said, what do you want? I said, just leave me alone. And I said, and if the monastery burns down, I don't want to know about it. (laughs) I was in a great space of mind. (laughs) But I was on retreat, and I was just walking back and forth, furious, back and forth, furious, back and forth, furious. I sat furious, I walked furious, I sat furious, I walked furious, but I didn't need to do anything else. I was just with being absolutely furious. And it was fine. But there's other times when that's not at all where I'm up to and I actually need to do things in order to support having the skill to navigate what's arising. But it really helps to recognize angry thoughts. They're thoughts. They're not more than thoughts. They're not less than thoughts. They're thoughts. Do you think those thoughts come from the belief that the punishment's going to teach you a lesson? I mean, you're teaching yourself, or I think you'd want to teach somebody else as well, but the idea that that's how you learn or change. I, mean, I think it's a wrong idea, but I think that's where it starts. That's why you continue to do it, because at some level, you were taught that way we kids, when we see it in you know, society as we're growing up. That's a pretty strong, fixed idea that I think you know, manifests with this self-punishment and thinking that if you teach somebody a lesson, then, you know, they'll learn. So we have all kinds of conditioning, which is, you know, skiddly wampus. <laughs> and so when we're up against stuff that we see is like that, you know, if I hurt you hard enough, you're going to learn. Okay? So I'm aware of the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm verbally abusing you because I think that if I verbally abuse you sufficiently, you're actually going to learn. And then I recognize what I'm doing. It's the point of recognition where we realize what we're doing where we have to say, wait a minute. The ends don't justify the means. It doesn't justify the means. Doing something which is harmful or abusive doesn't justify teaching you a lesson. So what you're asking about is how do you change this deep-rooted conditioning? And it's a really good question, Jeff, but it's, it's, it requires the presence to be a willing to see it when it's arising and the recognition that this old stuff that we have in our system leads us to hell and everybody else to hell. And so the, the sooner we're able to wake up to it and not act from that place and f- learn to find another place, then the better off we all are. But it, I mean, look, it's deep-rooted stuff, and it, it actually, it, it takes quite some vigilance to, to not do that. 
And that's part of the reason why groups can learn to be really helpful for each other. Because if somebody sees somebody else engaging in some of this old conditioning, you know, they can just come in and say very quietly, you know, there's another way of doing this. You know, does this actually feel congruent with your values? You know, just very quiet. But we have a culture that's based in guilt. And one of the weird things about guilt is it's self-perpetuating, you know, because the greatest form of punishment of guilt is to do the same thing over again, you know. But in, in the language of contemplation and meditation, guilt, the only useful thing guilt serves is to become absolutely vigilant to watch it arise. That's it. That's the only useful purpose it has. Is something to be utterly vigilant in watching it arise. Nothing more. So we have to kind of sift out the ability to see the, the, the recoiling from something which is harmful, which is an essential part of practice, an essential part of waking up. It's an essential part of moving towards what is loving and not harmful and move away from the solidifying a bad person who's doing it, which is the central feature of what guilt operates around. I am bad. So we come from a power-dominant society where punishment and guilt has been used to teach lessons. And we're moving into another way of being that is based in compassion and wisdom and non-judgment. And we can all ask, how easy is it, you know? And yet we can all ask, how worthwhile is it, you know? The model of patriarchy for me doesn't serve, but it's in here. I have to deal the, the, the real battles. So that when you're talking about talking about resurrection before, is that work that's in trying to I mean that transformation from acting out of guilt or punishment into wisdom and right. compassion? Because we catch ourselves out making mistakes all the time and that's really hard to do. You know, it takes a lot of humility. Anything else to add or say, reflect on? Okay, well let's share blessings and then talk about